0: Hey! This is Psychotronicast. My name's Alec Berg, and the talent is Derek Estes. You can and you should subscribe to us on um, Instagram, and also whatever you're listening to this on, uh, just subscribe to it there, or you can go to our website, uh, psychotronicast.com. We have an email, psychotronicast at gmail.com, and we have a Patreon. Just look up Psychotronicast. It's five bucks a month. You get an extra episode, Every time that we post a free episode like the one you're listening to right now. So come on, baby. Help us keep the lights off and the TV on. Without further ado, Derek, what the hell are you getting us into?
1: Well, it's funny. So uh, the last episode we did was the Satanic Panic double feature with, uh, you know, race with the devil and the car. And, like, I think the day or two after you and I recorded that, we went to the Hollywood Theater and uh, to go see Payday for Grindhouse. And Peter Fonda had just died. So the two trailers they played before uh, were Race of the Devil and then Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry, which is going to be the, today's, the first part of today's episode. Uh, and then we were just talking. We were like, we should totally do this. You know, we should do this for the podcast. And so there have been a few of these kind of uh, – You know, like '70s car chase movies that I always figured we'd cover at some points. We already kind of got the ball rolling. Might as well just, uh, just I guess, just roll with it. Uh, Yeah. So we're gonna do today. We're gonna start with uh, Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry, and then uh, also talk about Death Race 2000 uh, afterwards.
0: Now it's two things I have never seen before, and so great, yeah. So great. I mean, after seeing Eating Raul, I'm surprised I didn't just go out on a limb and just watch everything. Bar- uh, Paul Bartel did because he doesn't. He didn't direct too much, but I didn't. Oh, yeah. And uh, boy, am I glad I caught Death Race 2000. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Dirty oh, Mary yeah. Crazy Larry is a. I, I knew about it from like Beastie Boys Paul's Boutique, and then once Quentin Tarantino got on the map, he he would mention that quite a bit. And after watching that film, I'm like, oh, that's death proof, like the ending. <laughs> so like, oh
1: yeah, for real.
0: Um, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, this
1: movie is so, it's crazy. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, it's almost like a combination. Like it was birthed by other movies. Apparently the, the script and the story had been kind of uh, around for a while. Like uh, there was a book called The Chase that came out in the early 60s that was about like when uh, these kind of modified uh, cars were getting these V8 engines, and so it was kind of like the beginning of the muscle car uh like era. But it was these kids would have these cars that were uh more high powered than the cops and the police couldn't actually catch up with them. I guess Howard Hawks wanted to make this with Steve McQueen like back in the sixties and uh the script just kind of like you know went through all sorts of uh changes through the years until this movie was made. But uh this movie feels like a cross between like an exploitation version of Two Lane Blacktop on one hand, uh, with like parts of like the Friends of Eddie Coyle and uh, just some other like you know like seventies kind of heist chase movies, but with other like weird things too. Like even some of the dialogue is so snappy, especially Peter Fonda's. It almost reminds me of like there, there are parts that feel almost like a screwball comedy or like a film noir. Even uh, yeah, yeah, but a- just like way funnier and. More
0: insane, he's a smartass for sure, and that's what I was thinking too with this film. I was thinking, like, oh, this is like Tulane Blacktop, but with dialogue, <laughs> yeah, and, exactly,
1: and lots of it
0: because <laughs> you've got that's the thing I didn't know about Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry is because I've seen the preview a handful of times, and then when, when you hear the title and you hear it talked about, all you hear is like Peter Fonda and Susan George. You had uh, no idea about, like, Adam Rourke was his, like, mechanic or whatever. And, like, he's just, like, in the car the whole time. I'm like, oh, when the movie first starts, I'm like, oh, this guy's going to die, like, right away. Because it's Dirty Mary and it's Crazy Larry. Like, who the fuck is this guy? And, like, no, he, like, lives just like the rest of them throughout the film until (laughs) the bitter end. But, like, it was, it like, kind of threw me through a loop. I'm like, when is this guy going to die or when is he going to double cross him? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand what's going on with this guy in the back seat, but I'm glad he didn't go because the, those three and their dynamic. He's great. It's really good. Um, oh, yeah. Also, it's like. It's funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that I don't, this is going to be. I don't know how this is going to go over, but I really do like Peter Fonda in uh, this, and I do like him in, um, what's it called? Like uh Easy Rider, of course, and oh yeah, the Acid Western. I can't think of the name of oh, it. Oh yeah, The, the, Hired, Hired, the Hand, Hired Hand, stuff yeah. like that. But I don't. Something there's something about him. Maybe it's because of all the interviews I've listened to him. I don't know. But I'm just like I don't like something about Peter Fonda, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just like his face, but it kind of it kind of <laughs> works in this movie because he's kind he's like an asshole.
1: Oh yeah, he does have a kind of a weaseliness to him. Um... That yeah, or he, I think there's. Well, there is, I, I think he, he was like under, a indefinable thing.
0: He was like a rich prick, obviously his whole life. Yeah, and so like he brings that to the screen, whether he plays a rich man or not. Like he, he's definitely like a prick. Yeah, and,
1: he does seem a little spoiled. Or There's something in there.
0: There's something in there that I'm just like, I don't like. I, don't, I, I know what you're getting there. I like Peter that. Fonda. Don't get me wrong. And I like the movies, and I like everything he contributed to Hollywood. More so than his sister and his father, maybe. I, I'm not sure. I haven't done like my homework with those two as much as I have with him. But, yeah, there's still something where I'm like, I don't know, I don't know about this guy. <laughs> yeah. No, I think
1: that's fair. I think he does have, like, there is there is that thing that, that Peter Fonda has. I mean, I love him to death. But, yeah, I, I can totally see where he's almost like an unusual leading man. Like, he probably wouldn't have... Um, made it you know you feel like it was still his family that kind of got him in the mix you know Like what he did with that um, you know whatever was up to him but yeah there's definitely there's there's something very kind of strange about Peter Fonda I do Um,
0: enjoy his wild side where like you know listening to the WTF podcast with him how he like Was a sailor like he had a sailboat because he's rich and you know just like sailing his shit around France and then also like obviously he was into motorcycles and like racing cars and doing stuff like that. So he did live dangerously. Um, Yeah, it's not like he was just like some mooch son that was also like a giant pussy or whatever. Like he was a man's man. Yeah, yeah. That's just my thing. Every time I've seen Peter Fonda, except surprisingly. The Limey? He's a, I love him. Uh-huh. I love him and his character in The Limey. I'm like, come
1: on. Oh, yeah, he's great in that movie. Um, he's like, perfect. That, I mean, the whole movie is cast to, like, you know, um, yeah. I mean, this is very, very kind of, like, knowing casting for everybody in that movie. You know, from, you know, Terrence Stamp and Peter Fonda. And then I'm blanking the guy um, from Vanishing Point being in it and Joe D'Alessandro. Uh,
0: um,
1: yeah, it's the whole thing. is just dynamite that way. And I will I would, say, going back to, like, the title of this movie... And it's confusing like i i don't know i'm, I'm sure like because D- dirty harry had already come out and there's kind of a, an alliterative thing with the the rhyming names but i'm like it's really up to debate like who's crazier and who's dirtier because she is fucking crazy as shit to this whole fucking movie um like the the very beginning of the movie it's just like him bouncing on like a one night stand and then she just like whatever flips out, like a total crazy person, and then just like follows him down to the supermarket they're robbing, and then just like interjects into their whole, their whole dynamic. Uh, but she's just a total maniac, the and whole she time. and
0: she knows the cops are after them, and she can't get enough. She's like, yeah. And when you know they they're starting to get away at the beginning, she's like, you're boring. And like he's just mm-hmm. go. He is doing whatever he can in the car, like destroying the car, possibly like putting their lives at stake, but also putting the car at stake which puts their freedom at stake and she's just pretending to yawn and just uh, like Susan George <laughs> wins this I movie. I
1: love her she's like a hot Steve Buscemi <laughs> you know there's like something so crazy about her and you're she, like you're so weird looking and
0: like, yeah she, like, she, so she's kind of like a poor like a trash like a white trash or a trailer Suzanne Summers mm-hmm like her teeth are oh, yeah. like kind of funky and like she looks yeah. kind of dirty like she yeah she it's probably it should be like dirty mary cra- or well no she's Julie, crazy yeah I mean, it should just be dirty, dirty. it should <laughs> just be dirty crazy mary <laughs> like larry's larry's nowhere to be found in the title
1: <laughs> dirty crazy mary and larry and deke Beak. <laughs> <laughs> dozy beaky mitch uh, twitch all right exactly Um, the other, like, crazy person in this movie that I love is, uh, Vic Morrow is the kind of, uh, like, that rogue, well, he's, like, a captain, I think, a police captain, but he's, like, you know, almost a hippie, like, he kind of, like, wears his hair long, he doesn't carry a gun, which apparently was a Vic Morrow thing, like, he, um, like he was on the TV show combat and apparently you know, he held a gun in that but he was super opposed to guns and there's even a point in this movie where he's just like hey you know, it doesn't matter if I you know don't wear my don't wear a gun or how long I wear my hair or whatever and I wonder if he just put that in there because he just didn't want to carry a gun for this movie mm-hmm. I don't know um but he's like kind of on the tail of of them and then he's you know, fighting with uh with the other like police who's uh, guy it's like a Toby Kenneth he yeah, Other like actors, this pops up in like weird shit here and there, but uh, there's funny seeing him in this. But then, well, they're, they're trying to get like their like souped up cars too. And this is all this back and forth about like getting getting these cars so they can like chase them down. And uh, oh yeah, there's the other like other crazy things. So the heist, the uh, earlier in the movie to kind of go back, uh, when they're robbing the supermarket for like so crazy. Roddy McDowell is the guy who's uh, like the director of the supermarket and his family is being held hostage in the house, a lot like the Friends of Eddie Coyle. Um, He's totally uncredited and it's just so weird um, just seeing him pop up in this movie. But anyhow, to go back, um, by the end, Vic Morrow ends up in this crazy helicopter. And it's so crazy because one of the only things I really know Vic like, Morrow from, besides just like whatever, he's like Jennifer Jason Lee's dad and whatever, but it was his uh, death on the set of the Twilight Zone movie when a helicopter crashed and decapitated him. Um, so it's so crazy that he spends like half his role in this movie in a helicopter or in scenes with helicopters. It just seems to, uh, I don't know. It was crazy. So, I had totally forgotten about that.
0: Yeah, so I was tripping out about that too. Um, turns out, this, I mean, this is just some bullshit I looked up, but. He insisted with the studio that he have a million dollar life insurance life insurance policy taken out on him, being in the helicopter for this movie because he said that he always envisioned himself dying in a helicopter. That's so crazy! Isn't that crazy? And then he he didn't. He's like, oh, and then Twilight Zone came along, and he did die in the helicopter. Pretty, pretty also like coincidental. But uh, so John Landis was the director of that Twilight Zone. Uh, that killed him and John Landis has a very, very small role in the second feature on tonight's episode in Death Race two thousand. Oh yeah. He plays uh Sylvester Stallone's mechanic that gets ran over.
1: And <laughs> it's all everything all ties together. It does. It's it's the web. It's the web. Um, but yeah so they end up like I mean I don't know. There's just so many things in this movie. This movie has so much great dialogue. There's so many weird like uh, like, kind of insults and things. He, like, is yelling at her. Like, at one point, like, she, whatever, causes this car wreck, and he's just like, you trying to stunt like that, I'm going to braid your tits. (laughs) And you're just like, what the fuck? And then the other one is um, when, well, him and they try to ditch her at this, like, store, and they take off, but she has the map they need. So they go back, and he's just like, every bone in her crotch, that's (laughs) what I'm going to smash. That's crazy. It's... It's so good and weird, and then there's the other thing too where he, they're like getting in this really amazing. I mean, they're just the dynamic is so crazy It's just like two maniacs, uh, just like screaming and fighting, and it's just really entertaining. But I love the one where uh, they're out of the little farm and they're trying to fix the fucking car, and he's just like, "You, you know, you just need everything. You take the last, you know, cookie from the cookie jar, and you know whatever you saw, have to hide my stash, and you're gonna find my pie stash." And just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, it's really crazy, but I just love it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And another thing I like is Vic Morrow, like showing um, police work before, you know, satellites and computers and stuff like that. You kind of see it in mm-hmm. our previous episode, The Car, where it's like they just have a giant topographical map in the office and they're like all right we have units here here and here so that means he can only be going northwest so we got to move units 12 11 and 10 northeast to catch uh-huh. up with him being and, be nor- and you're just like oh watching him play that like cat and mouse game is really rad it's kind of like watching take it to palaham one two three when uh uh walter Matthau's trying to figure out where the homeboys are on the subway like okay he can only yeah, be going totally. here it's Really cool. I just love like little, I don't like procedural stuff that much, but when it comes to like strategy. what am I, George Bush, Uh, uh, (laughs) strategy in this kind of like get down it's its bitching to watch.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that like a lot of like police procedurals, the the ones that get really boring, it's kind of like court scenes don't always have to be boring, but a lot of Movies will just, like, drag it out, and it just gets really boring. And normally in those movies, what uh, happens is when you, like, focus a lot on the procedure, you end up totally losing the characters, you know, or you're just you not focusing on anything totally engaging or interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think with this movie, it, it has, you know, a really good balance. I mean, it has some of those things, and you kind of are aware of the limitations of the small town and, you know, these places like the car they're like we're not prepared to deal with stuff like this like this is a sleepy you know they're in like stockton or wherever um yeah it's crazy that's the other thing is in this movie uh like peter fonda is like a, an aspiring nascar driver which also kind of like kind of ties in with i mean all of his like movies with him like you know having some sort of vehicular career you know he's a dirtbag ri- dirtback rider in race of the devil and obviously being a biker and uh yeah the wild angels and easy rider and i don't know it's it's funny i like that angle to it yeah um yeah was this movie a, was
0: this movie a hit
1: so uh yeah actually it did uh it did really well it was i, I don't know what the, i can i actually was reading about this and the numbers were really good at the time and it was kind of a sleeper hit um, and it was funny, the people who put together, there was, uh, James Arkoff, who had been with AIP forever, um, or Nicholson, uh, not Arkoff, the other one. So he like left and he would created a deal with 20th Century Fox. So he was basically independently producing it, um, think like the way that you would have done, put together a project at AIP. And then he just had a distribution deal. So Fox was able to put it out. So I think possibly having a bigger studio, um, put money behind the uh, the sale of the movie probably really helped. You know, it it might not have done as well. But I mean, you also, you have, you know, named stars. Uh, Peter Fonda was obviously really well known. And Susan George, I mean, she'd been doing stuff like she had just been in like Stray Dogs. I, uh, uh,
0: straw, straw Dogs. Straw Dogs, yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, like they, they, they were known people. Um, but I also, I love that. I mean, I kind of, I love this era of Peter Fonda's movies too, where it's like, He isn't trying to, you know, make these prestigious movies, you know, work with, like, Francis Ford Coppola or, you know, any of the kind of uh, more adult, like, films going on, Uh, even though he was capable of it, and The Hired Hand showed, I mean, he could do it himself. But I love that he was just making these kind of, like, fun, you know, kind of low-budget
0: movies. Oh, I'd love to have his filmography. I'd love to have anybody's, but... um, Yeah. Thumbing through some of those... You know, I, I definitely want to be placed in the seventies. Like if I can go to any era and act in movies, definitely be the seventies. You're not getting paid the most, but you're definitely doing the most interesting shit. Oh yeah. With the most interesting people.
1: Oh yeah. I mean there's is, you all have you have like all the those people that have been working forever, like you know, say like Don Siegel that like kind of kept coming out of like old Hollywood or even you know, people like John Huston. You also, you know, you can go to Europe and make, you know, Whatever, just like movies in Italy or, you know, be some, you know, gypsy and run around with Jess Franco or people like that. I mean, there's definitely a lot of options yeah, <laughs> depending, on, depending on what you are willing to do.
0: It's funny, the end of this movie, I don't know why just writers and directors and studios had to think like, you know what? They all need to die at the end. Exactly. I kind of miss it, but it's really funny when you watch it. Because you're like, everybody in 70s movies dies. They just got to go. It's
1: like, we have an ending for every movie. And just everyone dies.
0: Yeah. And it's,
1: it's great. I mean, it happens like, that's one of the things that I, I reminds me of like film noir, where, it, you know, a lot of the really good ones like just end terribly for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's dead or, you know, who who the people who aren't dead are like insane or yeah. whatever. I are it's just going to be super fucked up. Uh, but yeah, this movie is—it's great because they uh, basically just you know, hide out in like a walnut orchard for like a large part of it. This really great, great car chases. There's like the scene where he like jumps over the, the bridge. That's so awesome. So rad. Um, but then at the end, they end up just yeah getting hit by a train. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. And it's amazing. Um, yeah. No, this movie is is really fun. Like I hadn't seen it for a while. I watched it. Back when, because it was, uh, it's always paired with Race to the Devil. So I think I saw it, first saw it when I first saw Race to the Devil um, back on, like, DVD. And then, yeah, just rewatching it recently, I'm like, this movie is so much better than I remember it being. It was, it was a lot of fun.
0: I mean, I only seen it once, and it was a hell of a good time. It kind of yeah. had the, it had a similar ending to me. I had the same feeling as, like, Wages of Fear where oh, yeah. <laughs> you're like, this guy made it. Like, he made it. All he's got to do is just get out of Dodge, or like, whatever. And then he's just like, do 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 on the cliff's edge. And I remember watching that movie with my dad earlier this summer, and he's like, God damn it, don't tell me he's going to fuck it. <laughs> and then he, like, rolls it off the cliff. And then with this, you're just like, he's beating himself. Like, you've got this. Like, just get out oh, of here. Yeah. Even your boy's telling you in the back seat, like, you're fine. Like, just chill. And then smack. And you're like, Ugh. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: that car too that insane like neon green charger yeah is so cool i mean yeah. that impala in the beginning is cool too but the the charger is like yeah so rad
0: the impala has too many doors that's its problem yeah but yeah because when they're driving that around i'm like oh, that's kind of a weird car to just be like this is the car they use but then when they do the switch i'm like there it is real oh, yeah. real inconspicuous <laughs>
1: Exactly, I know it's like the most the craziest looking car.
0: Yeah, it's um, so loud.
1: Exactly. No, it's so great. I love also when they're at that weird fair when they're doing the switch off, and uh, and like all those bikers like stop Mary and they're like, "Hey, what up, Mary? Just too good for us now," and then she's just like runs off because she's just like whatever some sort of <laughs> she's just like almost like a groupie whore. Yeah. Um, and I love that. She's even like, oh, we talk about, I love it. I, that thing too, she talks about like, oh, there's no toilet paper, it reminds me of Europe. And he's like, oh, you've been to Europe, whatever. But it's like, she's clearly British. <laughs> <laughs> like, her, her accent like comes through sometimes, but I love that whole back and forth. Just like, oh, what do you know about Europe? And she's like, I was traveling around with the lead singer of Scorpion.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm like,
1: uh, Yes. <laughs> Lid, little yes, did she, she know
0: there would be a band called the Scorpions one day that <laughs> she would eventually rock like a hurricane. Um, uh, what else you got so to add amazing. about this movie before we get into maybe? Not my, yeah, the I, most, I, I love it. Yeah, I yeah, love I it think, too. I, yeah,
1: I think we can we can move on to the next.
0: Yeah, you know what <laughs> I, I love more than Dirty Mary Crazy Larry is Death Race <laughs> Motherfucking Two Thousand. Yeah. Oh my God, this is like. I want to show everyone this movie. Oh yeah. It's a crisp it's... hour and 19 minutes. You're yeah. in, you're out. There's it never lags. Every scene is like I can't believe this is in this movie. <laughs> yeah. I like the way the plot unfolds and the rules of the game are played. You're like, "What?" Like all the st- <laughs> the star-studded cast, uh, the music, the cars, the fucking like pretending they're going cross country, but they're clearly in Los Angeles County the entire film.
1: Oh, I love that. I love where it's just like oh, it's leaving New York. or you know, we're going through the <laughs> the Lincoln Tunnel and you're like, that is not what the East Coast looks like at all. <laughs> it totally looks straight up like California. Yeah
0: the whole movie uh, takes place in the valley and the desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah, they do such a
1: good job like uh, obviously it's you know super low low budget. Uh, You know, Roger Corman's producing it, Um, but it has such huge ideas, and it has a really, like, a really witty script uh, that I think helps. And also, like, the direction of, like, Paul Bartel is just so dynamite. Um, But I love how even the opening credits have, like, that hand-drawn look to it. Like, it just, it plays with the kind of, uh, the craftiness of it, you know, I guess. Like, it's never, like, super, like, jokey bad, like, oh, this is so bad, or it's not, like... It has um, it's almost too smart to be schlocky, if that makes sense. I don't know. It yeah, just, it there's
0: keeps... there's no schlock in this film, and yeah, of the two Paul Bartel films that I've seen, like he's that's his like bread and butter. Oh yeah. you are like this shouldn't I shouldn't be taking this this shouldn't be, I don't know. This is like so over the top and crazy, but it's like still like very serious in its delivery in a way. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. The but you could also tell everybody. At least, what I imagine, everyone's just having a, the time of their life in this movie. Oh yeah, there's no way you it can't. It's
1: really fun. Like Mary, War- I love Mary Warnov, Anyhow, but I love her in this movie. Like all the different drivers. Um, so, I mean, the the general overall plot is that there's a race, yeah, across the country. And they can uh, kill kill people to score points to, to get across. And uh, I... but all the different drivers have uh, different identities. Like kind of themed identities, uh, and Mary Warren like obviously a cowgirl, and her car looks like a like a uh, bull and has bull horns. Uh, Sylvester Stallone, uh, his character is supposed to be like almost like a 30s gangster, and yeah. so he has like a Tommy gun. And so I wrote and shit. Uh, and maybe, I wrote all
0: these down when they were getting introduced. Oh, okay. So uh, Stallone's car, uh, yeah, is like a 30s Chicago gangster. His name is Machine Gun Joe. You have uh, Nero the hero and Cleopatra, yeah. which I was so sad to see them go first because like Cleopatra had like the greatest rack in the movie for sure. <laughs> and like her straight up, she had so much cleavage in one scene that like her nipples just like draping off. of her. It's the best. Uh, you have uh, Matilda and Herman. They're, they're the Nazis. And oh, then- yeah. Mary Warnoff is the only woman driver in the film, and she's driving the bowl with the horns and her name is Clamity Jane
1: yeah, and then you have Frankenstein I also love that the all of the pairings uh were both male and female yeah like me too. They, if there was a you know like a female driver, then you have a male mechanic, and then all the others they had um uh, like you know female navigators mechanics
0: so um uh, yeah, something else that was. So great is um, it, the story is told really well. Like the fact that they didn't have a budget, but all they were doing was they are getting up very early in the morning, and right when the sun came up, they were hitting the freeway and the highways where like no cars that were on the road yet. You can never film this this movie again, especially in California, because there's just too many cars on the fucking road these days. But yeah. back then, you can you can make it happen um, apparently, and uh, you know it, everything's told through. It's kind of like a like the running man in a way where it's like, here's this yeah. like national television show that like everybody in the nation is watching. And you don't know like where, like how is everybody seeing everything? There are no cameras anywhere, but it's like, whatever, it's the future. <laughs> fucking who gives a shit. But also the MC or the host of this whole thing is if you've seen once upon a time in Hollywood, the fucking radio station that Brad Pitt is listening to is the Los Angeles radio station from the late sixties Whose, whose DJ's name was The Real Don Steele and that is The Real Don Steele narrating this whole movie
1: That's awesome, he's so great
0: He's so fucking good in it I'm like, oh my god, that's The Real Don Steele and then like looking it up and I'm like, sure enough I was like, I know that voice anywhere that uh, is
1: so funny.
0: So really, really oh cool. Especially if you've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and you're or you listen to the soundtrack, like you're like, Oh, that's the fucking guy, like at his real job. And now you get to see him like Paul Bartell just probably cruised around LA and was like, We gotta get this guy You know, listening to the yeah. radio all the time. And um Paul Bartell makes his little like cameo as the <laughs> surgeon that perfects Mr. Frankenstein, played by David Carradine, who like seems to like Fuck himself up every single year he does a race. He's lost everything and he's just wearing his, uh, you know, his like BDSM leather to like hide all of what you would think are scars and wounds. He looks almost and like a, a
1: proto dark Vader.
0: Yeah, a little bit. He's, he got, has, the, like he's got the cape helmet, and everything. The
1: cape. Yeah.
0: But apparently, David Carradine refused to wear leather. Maybe he's like vegetarian or vegan or something. So they had to like make everything out of pleather.
1: That's so great. Yeah, Even man. sexier. Yeah, right. He's like, I don't wear
0: dead shit. Um, he's great. Like the, the the exteriors, the interiors, whatever you want to say in this film are so cool too. it kind of reminds me of like THX one one three eight, where they're yeah. just finding like these big open warehouses or parking structures or whatever. They're just painted a solid also made color, me like a
1: convention center or something. Yeah, you know, they just, like just had like a you know empty room and these kind of like set decorated, you know sparsely so it just looked like some you know futuristic hotel
0: room exactly and totally works totally plays paul Bartel, after watching especially the opening montage in eating raul and then how he does all of the editing and the, the two films that i've seen of his kind of really reminds me of um russ meyer like just oh, yeah. this like blitzkrieg editing style that you just don't see in movies this far back. Like Eating Raul's the early '80s, so maybe they're privy to it by then. But you still didn't see it that often. But in like 1970, whatever, early '70s for this, it's like movies didn't move this fast. At least the ones I've seen. Yeah,
1: he's it's super efficient. Like there's, uh, I think that's also part of what makes this movie. I mean, it, the it's so short, but it has so many ideas that it just keeps moving. You know. Um, so quickly that it never drags. There's not like that thing where you have like a really good first act, maybe a good third act or first two and there's there's always one act that really drags. This movie just doesn't really have that for me. Like it just keeps just tearing right along. Um, And I love like just, yeah, having everything, the framing device of both of the different, um, you know, like the different hosts, you know, like you have, uh, you have, him like you also have that older woman who's like uh you know like always talking about like, oh, this is my very close friend,
0: very dear friends uh, of mine, very like dear friends everyone of mine. she
1: talks about is a very close friend. it's hilarious because um,
0: there's uh the guy who basically runs like at least on camera espn is Stephen a Smith, sorry to bring sports to it for a second, but he's uh, like the talking head that always has hot takes, whatever, but whenever he's talking about somebody he's like Kevin Durant, a very dear friend of mine. Like he always says a very dear friend of mine. And I'm like, that's all this chick says in this movie. This is this must be like something they learn in like journalism school.
1: <laughs> Just like put yourself in the story somehow.
0: Yeah. Like uh, you you personally know these people.
1: Oh, I love it. There's like I love when she's interviewing it's like the fake set. And it's like her house and she's interviewing the widow of the first victim, and they're like, Oh, you want a prize, you know, you're gonna want a trip to Mexico.
0: And I like that the <laughs> no the, like the first victim is very honored, or the the, the widow of the first victim is very honored to to be in her presence. It's not like she's crying because <laughs> like her husband's dead, but she's just crying that she's a part of this whole system. And that's what's really good about watching this movie unravel is yeah, they, they all line up at, you know, I think, like, the LACR track in Los Angeles. Or maybe they're in... I'm not sure. But I know that they fil- they shot the opening scene in between actual real races that were happening. That's how they got all the people in the, the stands and whatnot. And then they did the total, like, Mario Baba thing where they drew, like, fake... the You know, yeah. the, the, the fake futuristic uh, landscape behind the stadium. Um, I love
1: how that looks. It looks great. So great.
0: And so, like... You see everybody line up, yeah, uh, Mary Warnoff and then like the Nazis. You got fucking Sylvester Stallone, which I thought seeing him in this film, I'm like, oh, he's he must be the first one that dies or maybe he's only in this for a couple minutes. There's no way. And like, <laughs> nope, he is the heavy in this film and he is in this <laughs> movie a lot. You're like, yeah. how is this movie not like bigger now, especially like Sylvester Stallone has had like so many renaissances throughout the like 70s, 80s, 90s. And even in the early two thousands, oh, yeah. when he started doing the Expendables and stuff like that, like he's he's faded out now. Even though the last Rambo film's coming out later this year, but I think it's like a VOD kind of deal. And
1: no, I think it's oh, maybe it is. I don't know. I thought it's going to be in theaters,
0: but oh, no shit. Yeah. Uh But it's crazy that like this hadn't have had some sort of like crazy Blu Ray special mm-hmm. edition that I maybe completely don't know about. But.
1: There is actually well yeah the one I have uh, like Shout Factory did a really good one. It has a bunch of interviews and different shit and people it's yeah it's pretty cool
0: oh, that's interesting yeah um, I, I had to rent this on amazon last night and they only had standard definition so i just thought like oh nobody oh, ever really? nobody ever did anything yeah it looked like it was it looked like shit if you rent it from amazon oh, it, it's that's too bad it's not a good look um but, yeah, Sly Stallone, so goodness. Like, just going for He's it. He's so good. He's so he good. He also is
1: really funny. There's um, a scene in the movie where all of the the drivers are all kind of, like, taking a little break. and getting massages. And they're all supposed to be nude. But, um, like, Sly Stallone would not show his ass. Like, it was a whole thing. And Mary Warnoff talks about that. She's like, Roger Corman had to come down and, like, whatever. Like, break him to, like, get in. Yeah, just down there. And he still has to wear a towel. So you'll see everyone like lying on these tables and they're all just totally naked, his ass out, tits out. And Roger Corman's like, I'm making a tits and ass movie. Like we're we're giving them tits and ass.
0: It's wild because he um, was then, in yeah. he was in the Italian stallion or whatever. He was in a softcore yeah. porn. Yeah. So like what? He
1: was yeah, maybe he was just triggered, and he was like, "Never again, never again." Not showing these buns.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. These buns are <laughs> I, off the grill. Uh, I
1: know, but I love how everyone else is just like, you know, just ass hanging out. What's well, what's good it's is like so yeah,
0: when they when they peel out and they start the race, or it's like okay, it's kind of like um, gumball rally or something. But it's like, nope. Yeah. You find out real quick, like if you hit people with your car, you get points. Which the the point system is really hilarious. And it shows like how crazy this film really is. Like for instance, if you hit an infant, you get 70 points. And if you hit an old person, you get a hundred. And then women are worth 30 points more than men also. uh, Yeah. We'll get to like the setups of like how some people die in a moment, but um, yeah, you just know like you're on to like some crazy shit when you're like, wait, this is like in the movie. This is great. They, I don't know. Uh, I guess we could get into it now. Like, when uh, yep. the ho- the euthanasia day at the uh, geriatric hospital, <laughs> when the nurses are just wheeling out like the super old people that like are confused and don't know what's going on, and then they hide to the side, and David yeah. Carradine instead of taking out the easy targets of like these nurses, putting these old fucking it's like a hospice in the future in the middle of the street, <laughs> like he just cuts across and just starts like mowing down all the nurses that put those old people out to begin with, and you see the nurses fly up because you don't see the car. You just see like the tip of the car and the nurses fly up in the air. Like it's some sort of cartoon. And it's like, they're <laughs> jumping on a trampoline each to like give themselves airtime. And you're like, Holy <laughs> fuck. Like Paul Bartel, like made so much out of so little with this film. Like there's so many good deaths in this oh, yeah. movie. Like, you know, heads getting run over and like people getting ran over, like people falling into to manholes and just all kinds of crazy oh, shit. Yeah. It's like, Crazy. well yeah I
1: love all like yeah they are all like really funny
0: Yeah,
1: and they're all like pretty low key like the gore factor I mean it's pretty funny but there's not like it's mostly just a lot of like blood or you know people's heads get run over um I also love because there's uh, uh they all are also fighting It's almost like political satire in this movie as well um like on the one hand like there's the American president and there's talking about it they just call on you yeah, whatever Mr. President and uh he they're like, oh, is he in Moscow? Or like, oh no, he's in Peking now. He's just ruling, like, whatever, like, the political game we have uh, in the year 2000 in this movie is all just run by this this president who either lives in Moscow or Peking, the Summer Palace. And I'm like, that's so hilarious. And also this feels very topical.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, and the woman, there's this resistance that's, you know, really anti the race. And it's funny because uh, speaking of casting, uh, it's uh, Harriet Medina is this older woman. And she's a really funny actress because she was an American actress that went to Italy in the forties uh, to work with Roberto Rossellini and she's in like Paisan and she stayed there. But I think for people who watch movies, uh, you're probably most likely to see her in like a ton of Mario Bava movies because she's in blood and black lace. She plays uh, like the maid in that movie. And then she's also like the older woman in uh, the whip in the, uh, the body, the whip in the body, and there's like a, a few of those, so like it's really funny seeing her back again in the state speaking English um, as the leader of this, this political movement. It's really great. It's dope. And and that's also how like they end up killing Nero. Is they're like they plant because Nero thinks he's hitting a family and a baby, and they leave this like baby doll out, and he runs over it, but then it just explodes because it's full of dynamite.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I love. Um, for some reason, there's just a guy that wants to be a matador and play Toro with <laughs> the bull car. And Mary Warnoff is just like, I'm in. And <laughs> yeah. that little sequence is great. The fact that like the way they get there, the cars to do the stunts in the film. And I know like balling on a budget is Roger Corman's M.O. It's fucking nuts. Like the shots they got, yeah. the way they got the cars to do stuff. What was really cool is you could, you can't tell, but you know that the process of making this film look so good was to film at a rate where they're missing frames. So the shit's going faster, but it looks so much better than when so many other movies, especially in that time period would just speed up the film and it would just look like you're watching something and fast forward. This doesn't look like that because they knew right off the bat, like we know this isn't going to look that fast or that great at regular speed so we're going to I don't know what process they use to actually like capture the film but they're definitely like not filming at the same frame rate per second as a usual camera and that's why when they do the playback it looks so good. Um, yeah.
1: It, and also the playfulness of the movie too like the attitude makes that you know even some of those things that would seem a little like like silly it feels like part of the joke you know like um, I don't know it's it's a cool it's just, yeah, it's amazing how they pulled everything off to make it work.
0: Yeah, it totally worked. Okay. Now let's talk about the, the scenes where, um, (coughs) they, the stop, they stop off, you know, for the night, which is great. kind of reminds me of like when they do like the tour de France or whatever in, uh, for cycling where they just like stop off at like hotels and shit in the middle of the race. But, um, yeah, yeah, the first one where they're just getting like, Swedish, like naked massages while getting interviewed in that room with like beef cakes and bimbos is yeah. so great. And then like David Carradine, <laughs> Mr. Frankenstein, just walking in and is like his pleather outfit and just, <laughs> you know, being a sassy pants uh, uh-huh. is just the stuff like, you know, that's Hollywood magic, baby. I want more of that. Oh, yeah, there, That needs to come back in my life. Just currently, <laughs> And when they stop off in New Mexico the second time and they're just having like, you know, the last supper and Sylvester oh, yeah. Stallone is just eating mashed potatoes with his fingers <laughs> and he just has mashed potatoes all over his face. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, what a fucking <laughs> weird, everything is so weird in this movie. And like when David Carradine is like hooking up with his uh, his number two. And, like, you know, he's taking off all of his shit and, like, revealing that, like, he, his body looks totally fine. And then, oh, yeah. you know, they're going to go do that slow dance, but then he puts the mask back on and then they dance. And they're like, what a <laughs> and freak. And all he has is his little
1: pleather shorts on.
0: Yeah, he's a freak. It's and so great. <laughs> and David Carradine, I guess, in an inter- interview, like, said, like, he walked off of the set of Kung Fu and everybody knew him as the Kung Fu guy and stuff like that. And he was going to be typecast forever, so the thing he wanted to do was just, like, the most different, crazy thing that he could find, and this was that. And he's so glad he did a movie because it just gave him a career of doing, like, anything else. And, like, if you look at his IMDb credits, it almost rivals Eric Roberts, where it's like, he did so much shit. He would do anything. Um, Oh, yeah. So it wasn't one of those things. Like, I thought he was, like, one of those dudes that was, like, a blast from the past and then, like, fizzled out and then, like, Kill Bill rec resurrected his career but it was like nope he just like continuously worked on everything at all times yep, uh the man no stopping hated his wife and his kids apparently because he just was never home he was always on location <laughs> yeah. but yeah super cool like yeah his performance is great
1: he's so great he's kind of like really perfect for it because he is like kind of he can um you know play it so straight you know like everyone else is really big in the movie and he's almost a little bit more subdued But then not, like, but there's still kind of a, you know, there's a light behind the eyes, you know, that I think he's able to, like, bring that character. And even Uh,
0: when he meets, like, that crazy fanatic who's wearing, like, one of his letters in the Frankenstein. Oh, yeah. And then she's just like, I just want to let you know that, like, I am somebody and, like, I want you to know that you are loved and, like, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the next day when she has her colt standing in the, the middle of the street, I'm like, oh, wait, is she, like casting all of her minions to get run over by him, but then they disperse and like, she just stands there and then she, he runs over her in the street and she's driving and she's talking to like, he, Carradine ends up talking to the girl in the car with him and she's like, why did she do that? And he just says, she wanted to show me that she loves me. (laughs) And I'm like, she accepts it. It's just like, (laughs) fuck yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: No, I love that. I love how, uh, one of my other favorite gags later in the movie is after, you know, there's also the resistance and he kind of keeps sort of getting set up in weird ways. And there's like the main commission, they're like, what's going on? Like, is your, uh, is your navigator like, you know, fucking you over? And he, there's definitely something going on. You don't really know what it is. Uh, but he later ended up realizing that he has a mission of his own and he wants to win this race uh, so that he can uh, kill the president. And the one thing, even when he's naked, the only thing besides his little like his little speedo he has to take off is one glove. And then when he takes it off, it has a grenade in the middle, I and mean, he's—it's a hand grenade. And it's says such a like hilarious, like corny joke. It's like something out of like a uh, Kentucky Fried movie or like The Naked Gun or something. Yeah, uh, yeah. That just really cracked me up. And his whole—that's his whole deal. Um, and they end up like—I can't remember how everyone else dies, but then yeah, it just ends up where it's him and uh they still alone
0: or like the the last two well they do a, a roadrunner thing where um yeah one of them oh, is yeah. they have the fake detour with like the tunnel that's how
1: the nazis die right yeah
0: and they go off the cliff which was hilarious and then the other one is like there's just like that landmine there that mary doesn't <laughs> hit but then when she does a three-point turn in the middle of the desert, then she r- runs over and explodes, and then yeah, then then we're down to Sly and Carradine. Yeah,
1: Ugh, it's so great. I love like I mean just all all of it, and then like when he finally like you know you, you get to the end of the race, and then he's able to like go, and then well they also oh, that's right because then she. Chief blows up stallone because she actually uses the hand grenade and then just tosses it over to stallone to like blow him up and so then he's all done mm. but then uh yeah they end up they go to the race and then he ends up they do this whole kind of like switcheroo where she dresses as frankenstein to like go up and then there's this kind of like assassination attempt but then she, they realize it's not really him and then he's still in the car and then he goes me like Knocks over and kills the president, and then just like some warlord, he just takes over.
0: Yeah, he's the president. He's like,
1: he's the new president, and he's like, we've we're uh, you know going back to because there's all this like uh, this shit. Like, what is it like uh, uh, minority privilege and you know and the death race itself. He's like, we're we're abolishing all of this and we're bringing back voting <laughs> um, and democracy and you know anti violence and the main uh, the the uh, the MC dude who's been interviewing, uh, he's, but you can't get rid of the race. Like the American people just won't handle this, you know, can't take the lack of this violence or whatever. And then he just r- runs him over and kills them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's... Everyone loves it. The real Don Steele is no longer in. And... The real Don Steele.
1: He's so great. He's like so hilarious in this movie. Cause he's just so energetic and like insane. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I, his like, giant collared shirt over his jacket with the ascot in the middle and then like that's all you see is like when he gets run over his like ascot just kind of like floats in the air and falls <laughs> to the asphalt and like,
1: his Aw. teeth he has like such a toothy crazy smile he's just hysterical yeah and he like ha- literally he is acting hysterical and he is hysterical to watch
0: yeah and he just has like those <laughs> smoker's teeth oh uh, well, yeah great no so, fan this movie he has,
1: is he has made for radio
0: yeah, for sure. It's <laughs> this movie's so, so, so cool. Um I would love to just like try and think of something where you can like put a bunch of these movies together, just like fun, insane seventies movies that would just be like an all night kind of like sleepover party thing to watch. Oh, yeah. Like you definitely would throw this one in here. Uh what's the other one? It's just so Phantom I mean, of the yeah, it, Phantom it, it of the like, Paradise would be another good one.
1: Oh yeah. I know. i to have been in the mood to watch that. I haven't watched it for like a couple of years and I went through a just like watching that like nonstop. Uh, <laughs> it's on, sh- it's on
0: shutter right now, but I, I, I know you own it, but it's on shutter.
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Everyone should watch it. If you haven't seen Phantom of the Paradise, then do it,
0: do it, um,
1: do it. God. But yeah, I, I think that this it's funny because this movie ended up being like a pretty big hit. Um, this is also like kind of before Mad Max and that kind of wave of the post post-apocalyptic, um, you know, like, car movie. This movie is kind of funny because it does hit, like, it's, like, a weird central point. Like, you know, like, those um, circular graphs people will put, you know, where there's, like, when, where things overlap? This is, like, right in the center of a bunch of different types of movies. Like, you have those movies and even whatever stories, things like The Running Man or The Hunger Games or, you know, whatever, Battle Royale, even, uh, where it's, like, the, you know, the kind of fight to the death sort of scenario. You have the like hard chase movie the post apocalyptic you know satire the you know all these little things uh but yeah this movie would pair really well with with a lot of different different types of movies like that um and another funny thing about this movie so it was also based on a short story by this guy el uh ib melchier and he was also a director but he was uh primarily a writer he wrote this story in like the uh like mid fifties. it was a little bit more of a, um, a serious satire, you know, almost like something that would be, you know, like a men's magazine or you could almost see making it as a really elaborate episode of the twilight zone. Um, but then he ended up directing a bunch of like really cool sci-fi movies. He was Danish originally and he survived. Uh, well he survived the war. he actually like fought in the war and helped like, uh, like liberate like a concentration camp. So, uh, I know his movies. I was just reading a little bit about him after watching this, uh, but most of his like novel novels a lot deal with uh, you know Nazis and like Nazi Germany. But his movies, he did some really really cool ones. He did uh, I think his first movie he directed is Angry Red Planet, which is like a total batshit crazy like late fifties early sixties uh, sci fi movie with as the one of the craziest looking monsters. It's almost like um, and the whole, when they get to the planet, it's just become like Mars. Uh, everything looks kind of solarized and weird. It's normally a black and white movie, but then everything turns to the like, bright red. And this monster looks so insane. It's like a giant, like, tarantula, daddy long-legged spider, but with, like, an angry cat's face. <laughs> um, it's really trippy and crazy. So he, he did that. He did, um, is it like the, the Man from Tomorrow? But then he also uh, co-wrote Robinson Crusoe on Mars, which is another, like, super amazing uh, early, early 60s sci fi movie. Um, it's basically Robinson it, it literally, as yes, it sounds, like it's Robinson on Mars. But uh, the special effects are like really ahead of the time. And it's just a really cool movie. So it's just funny that it had this other, this other element to it that I loved.
0: Yeah. I loved it too. Um, cool. All right. We did it. It's happened. We did it. Another double feature so, yeah. in the books. Uh, I guess, yeah, the last two episodes have been just four movies in the car. Yeah. We have lots of cars. Car trouble. Yeah, man. Um, don't know what we're doing next, but can't wait to find out. And we'll yeah. see you we're soon.
1: Then. Until then, let's head over. It. We have some fun stuff to talk about over on the Patreon.
0: For sure. Uh, Bonnie's Kids. Have you seen oh, it? Yeah. No? Well, you should. Because we talked about it, and it's worth it. Until then, let's just keep it so purely it. casual. Bye.